Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Meet the Masters. I'm your host, Robert Allen. And today I'm joined by Diane Forden, who is the editor-in-chief and vice president of Bridal Guide Magazine. Diane, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Robert. It's a very exciting time around here. Uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you're closing the next issue of the magazine. We are, it's, right? We're busy closing our January, February 19, 2008 issue. And wow. I said 1988 because <laughs> we are celebrating our 20-year anniversary. We first came out on the newsstands in 1988. I can't believe 20 years have gone by. And uh, so it's very exciting. We're doing a little look at what weddings were like then and what they're like now in yeah. 2008. And I'm sure there are lots of similarities and a whole lot of differences. Yes, yes. Tradition, there are certain traditions that are still very popular, but boy, weddings really have changed a <laughs> lot since then. They have indeed. And, and it's interesting, you're here 18 years. Yes, uh, I've been with Broadway at, at the by magazine. 18 years. Yes, right, yes. yeah. So it's kind of neat to think about, you know, there might be some brides getting married today whose moms... We're reading the magazine yeah, back then. Yeah, very, very you know, feasibly, sure. It's like they, the, the, they, they, we're in the next generation exactly. now. Exactly. We're into and, the ne- uh, another generation of brides yeah. who are getting married and doing things their way, not yeah. quite like mom did it in right. 1988. Right. And it's interesting because, um, you know, it really used to be the moms were the wedding planners. Oh, definitely. That was it. That, w- that was expected. Um, back then, if you got engaged, it became your mom's wedding as well. And uh, mom would help plan, mom would go with you to register, mom would help you pick out your dress, mom would determine the flowers and this and that. And that certainly has changed because now we're finding that, um, first of all, parents do not pay for the bulk of the wedding, much as they might have done back 20 years ago. Now we're finding that um, about 50% of couples getting married today pay for the majority of the wedding. So with money comes power. And that means they can call the shots about what they want, how they want it, the guest list, Mm -hmm. much more than the parents can. Now, that doesn't mean mom is ignored. And, of course, you know, brides consult their mothers and do uh, tend to go dress shopping with them. But they'll go registering with their groom. Together, they'll make decisions about the type of wedding they want, the guest list, the decor. So it becomes much more of a, a couple's partnership and working together. Uh, on creating a wedding that really expresses who they are as individuals. And, and you know, that's sometimes takes some getting used to for a parent. Oh, I think so. I think so. And I think um, uh, when I'm writing my etiquette column and looking at some of the emails that come to me, a lot of the issues have to do with uh, the parents and problems with parental control or problems with they're not really contributing towards the the wedding financially but his mother is giving me a guest list and she won't cut back and it's too many people so that could be a problem because i do think there it becomes a little battle of will sometimes Mm. and emotionally weddings are very emotional i mean it's just a very highly emotional time and everybody wants to put in their two cents everybody wants to get involved and every family member and even though parents may really try to take a step backward, it can be hard for them. And it can be hard. And I always tell brides and and grooms to, you know, think, put yourself in their position. Right. Think about how your parents are feeling right now. This is a big step for them as well. Yeah. They're losing you in a sense. Right. 
uh, you're no longer their little girl, their little boy. You're getting married. You're an adult. You're starting your own family. This is a transition for your parents, too. Right. So I always advise them to really be a little bit compassionate, too, and take that into consideration. Uh, not to say that they should be doormats and let their parents control everything or insist on certain things because you don't want to do that. You'll regret it later. Yeah. Uh, the best thing to do is very uh, calmly and very gently get together with your parents, take your mother out for lunch, have a day of shopping, and if there are some problems, discuss it with her and let her know your feelings. Uh, the same with the groom with it, with his his parents. I think if you present a united front when you come up against some of these issues, it really will help to serve both of you and your parents in the long run. Right, and 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 I think it's so important. You know, as you're you're saying this, it really is all about communication. It really is, and not Robert. letting it wait. Yeah. You know, it really you know, months is. and it's, months shouldn't go by before something right. Is it's set. really about communication, and early on, I think the couple should sit down together and decide exactly what type of wedding they want. Think about the theme. Do they want a theme? Do they want a color theme? Is, is it going to be based on the time of year? Is it going to be based on the location where they get married? Really map out some of the details. How many guests do you want? And that's very important when you start figuring out your budget. Yeah. You can't have a lot of You can't have 200, 300 guests and expect to get married for $10,000. It's really almost impossible today with the cost of weddings. So you have to really be very practical. But once you know pretty much what your details are for the wedding, that's when you tell your parents early on, soon after you're engaged, you've had your talk, you're, you, you and your groom know what type of wedding you want, how you want it. And that's when you start the, you open up the lines of communication with both sets of parents. And, and I think that really, when you do that, I think couples will find that a lot of the issues that presented themselves as issues suddenly go away. As yeah. soon as everyone's on the same page, you know, things tend Definitely. to smooth out. Definitely. And I think it's also important not to totally exclude the parents in the wedding planning. Keep them informed. Let them know. You know, we, we went to the florist today and look at these gorgeous flowers I'm going to have. And here's uh, the wedding colors I want to do. Make them a part, make them feel a part of the process. Now, are couples obligated beyond your parents etiquette wise to you know listen to anyone else i mean what about other family members siblings things like that because suddenly i mean you know it is you, you know Definitely. someone yeah. has a wedding right. and now they're the expert right they've had one wedding I, I they plan one so. wedding in their life i don't think so in fact um you know we do articles on what i would do differently and one bride said i would not listen to everyone's opinion because when you try to do that you're really going to lose a sense of, of control. You're going to lose a sense of who you are, what type of wedding you want. You really cannot listen to what everyone has to say because mm. no one's you're, you're unique. No one else is like you. So they may have visions of what their perfect wedding would be like. doesn't mean that's yours. So right. you cannot listen to everyone's opinion. You can very graciously thank them and take it into consideration, but don't feel obligated. Don't feel obligated that you have to do something because someone else told you that. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 such good advice. Now, you you mentioned before about budget, and that is really one of the the first things a couple tackles, right, or should tackle, Definitely. when they're planning their wedding. And and you mentioned something that comes up all the time amongst wedding experts, 
and it's the guest list. And I think it's one of the best ways to get a handle on how much you'll spend overall. Oh, definitely, because you have to figure that the reception cost is going to be about 40% of your budget. So nearly and half. And that's hefty, nearly half. And that includes your, your, the cost of your food and, your, and the wine and the liquor and the champagne and the band and the, you know, it really can add up. And the yeah. more guests you have, the pricier it's going to be. So as difficult as it may be for some guests, for some brides and grooms to say, oh, we don't want to cut the guest list, you need to. You really do need to. You don't have to invite you know, your friend from first grade that you haven't seen in, in 20 years. Right. You don't have to invite everybody you work with. Only invite your very close work buddies and your boss right. to be polite. <laughs> don't forget that. Uh, you don't have to – and your parents don't have to invite everyone from the book club, the garden club, the golf club. Keep that guest list as close to your nearest and dearest as possible. Right. And that will save you considerable money. And, and I think it would, you know, it, it does free up money to be used for the, the other things that sure, you'll need, obviously. Definitely. You'll, um, you'll want to spend. It, you know, and also it goes back to who you are as a couple. What's important to you? Um, some couples, the music is important. They may want to hire a band, which can be a little bit pricier than a DJ, mm -hmm. but they want that live music for great dancing. So you want to be able to allocate your dollars in other areas. Someone else may just want flowers everywhere, and she doesn't care how much it costs. She just loves beautiful flowers, so she'll allocate or to the dress or to your honeymoon. You know, couples really won't need a break after all that wedding Absolutely. planning, and they deserve to go someplace pretty special and spectacular, and they'll, they want to put their dollars towards the honeymoon as well. Now, do you recommend that the budget be made before they do anything? Because yes. Because I know that it's, you know, the ring comes on your finger, and immediately you go out and buy, buy your magazine and start going through it. Right. But you can't get too far ahead of yourself. No. You really do have you, to set really those dollars. You really do need to... Figure out the cost. Figure out how much money you have or you're comfortable spending on the wedding. How much money does he have? How much money do, do you have? How long is your engagement? If your engagement is going to be over a year, then you can start setting up um, a wedding account or mm. put money into a CD or put money into ING Ing Direct, which is an online banking service that gives you a higher interest rate than your regular bank. So you can actually start saving and spending money wisely so that you can build up a reserve of wedding cash. You should also find out from your parents, are they going to make any sort of contribution? Not that you'll go to them and expect them to pay for the entire wedding, but you will say, Mom and Dad, we're working on the budget for the wedding. We'd like to know if uh, there would be any if any contribution um, that from from you. And you don't mean to put them in a difficult position. If they can't afford it, then that's fine. Right. They can't afford it. But they may say, we'll pick up the tab for your photographer. We'll pay for the musicians. We'll pick up the tab for this, that, or the other. And the groom's parents can do likewise. So you also need to find out your resources. Where are you getting money from and how much are you getting? Uh, so I think that once you pretty much know what your budget is, then you can start the planning. Because now you know what dollar amount you have. And I, and I would also advise couples getting married, set your budget, and then factor in 
another 10% more. Well, I was just going to say, you know, how do you, you know, you set the budget. Okay, that's great. But how do you avoid, you know, blasting it out of the water? How do you avoid, because, you know, let's face it, we read and our listeners are are all across the country. Your readers are all across the country. And, you know, we see these dollar amounts that are thrown out there. The average wedding is 19,000. It's 26,000. It's 30,000. is what they're saying now. Yeah. You know. It's all relative, mm-hmm. you know, and we're here in, in midtown Manhattan. Right. It's you could you'd be hard pressed to have a twenty seven thousand dollar. Right. Wedding oh, yes. in the middle that of would Manhattan. be on the low end. In midtown and you could have, you know, a few friends at dinner <laughs> right. at, at a restaurant a somewhere. Party in, in the, in you know, a and that's it. However, right. in lots of the United States, I know, you know, being here in New York, it's hard for us to come sometimes see beyond the, the two rivers that surround us. You know, it can be done. Oh, it can be done. Definitely. Um, what are some of the ways that, no matter what your budget is, because it'll be different. Right. How does a couple stay on budget? Where Where do they, what are some of the things they need to watch for that might, you know, put them over that they might not have thought about? Well, I think they first need to do research. Even before they start contacting some vendors, do some research. Go online. Uh, check into what their fees are, get a number of people of, for a reception site, get a number of people for your photographer, and you want to do price comparisons. And then you want to call and set up some e- meetings with these vendors. When you're working with your vendors, don't be afraid to negotiate. Mm. Nothing is really written in stone. They will tell you, well, this is what the fee is. You will say, this is what my budget is. What can we do to make this work. Right. If you're working with your uh, caterer, for example, he may say, this is, if you want this type of uh, food, da, 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 this is the amount. Well, what can we do to make it work? It may be just substituting different foods for other foods, cutting back a little bit on how many uh, service, you don't, you don't need a five-course serve a three-course. You can still have a lovely wedding with a three-course meal. So there are ways to negotiate with your vendors. Don't be afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. And also go prepared with a list of questions. If you go onto our website, bridalguy.com, we tell you what type of questions you need to ask each of your vendors. So that you go into the so meeting prepared. So that you go in fully prepared Absolutely. because there are co- there are things you may not realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to uh, have a taste testing, for example, they may charge you $100 for that. I mean, they're, they're whipping up platters of food and cocktail food. They may charge you a fee just for that. They may charge you a fee to cut the cake. They may charge you a fee to uh, pour, the, pour the bottles of wine. There are number of different hidden fees, what we call the hidden fees, that you really need to be aware of and right. to ask about and to address. Uh, what are the gratuities that are included? Well, I was just going to say that. Right. People aren't always prepared for They're that. Not always Tax prepared. and gratuity is another 20-some-odd percent. Exactly. And there are a number of people that need to be tipped. Your maitre d', your bartenders, your wait staff, uh, your, your bathroom attendants, right. valet. Right. That really can add up. So mm. you really want to get a list of exactly what is expected. What is the dollar amount? Right. And right. And, 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 you know, as you're, you're saying this, what keeps popping into my head, the one word is flexibility. Flexibility. You have definitely. to be able to kind of, you know, give in on certain things to have other things. Right. Exactly, Robert. You have to be flexible. If your dream wedding was to have a formal sit down dinner on a Saturday night, but you really can't afford it, it may be 
cut back on the guest list or it may be move the 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 event to another evening not a saturday night which is your priciest uh it may be moving the time of year there are several months right. of the year that are very pricey for weddings and if you get married during an off month you might get a little bit of a price break on that. And it also may be having a different style wedding. Instead of having a formal sit-down dinner, you could have a l- beautiful cocktail party mm-hmm. where the food is every bit as wonderful. You'll still have music. You'll still have dancing. But it will be less expensive right. than your formal sit-down dinner. So you have to and weigh chances are your guests everything. will probably have a better time. They'll have at, a great at, time, you know? definitely. Everyone loves the cocktail time. hour. Everyone <laughs> loves the cocktail hour. Just want to remind everyone, uh, we're sitting and chatting with Diane Fortin, who is editor-in-chief of Bridal Guide magazine. This is Meet the Masters on Wedding Podcast Network. Now, let's talk about what may sometimes be the forgotten part of, of a wedding but guests and how you treat your guests and some of the things that you've heard over the years uh, about what annoys a guest. What are some of the things that can really kind of, you know, bother you know guests at a wedding? Right. I mean, it's really it's true. You do have to think about it. I mean, you you, it's really. I feel bad for brides and grooms sometimes. They're spending so much time and thought and energy and planning, and just one little thing can get guests talking, but they will. And so we did an article once called Guest Gripes because we thought, well, let's ask people who've gone to weddings what bothers them <laughs> the most about weddings, just to forewarn right. What do they talk about readers. on the car ride home? Right, what are they gossiping about after the wedding? <laughs> um, but, but some of the complaints are legitimate. I mean, I really didn't think that the guests were being malicious or really fault-finding. These these were legitimate gripes. Uh, one is too long a wait time between the ceremony and the reception. Some guests said that the ceremony was at 11 or 12 noon and the reception didn't start till 5 or 6. There had people came in from out of town. This is really too long. It, it re- and it really it really shoots a day for all of your wedding guests. Right. Unless you've arranged to take everyone to the right. movies in the afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> so you really shouldn't have any longer than a two-hour window. And mm-hmm. during that two-hour, you might even plan on, on, on asking if someone can have some people to their home right. uh, for a casual get-together just to make sure that your guests are fully aware of, of what's exp- you know what the time limit is and mm-hmm. not have this long wait uh, the distance between ceremony and reception some some guests said my goodness we drove for miles it was almost an hour away it shouldn't be any more than a 15 20 minute drive for guests you don't want them to be driving 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 most of the day uh, another complaint was the music too loud mm. Uh, so don't sit your guests too close to a band. Tell your band to tone the music down a little bit, especially with your elderly guests. I wouldn't sit them near the too near the the band or the dance floor. You can sit them back right. a little bit. You have to bit. be mindful of that. You have to that. be very mindful of that. Uh, so these are just uh, one oh, cash bar is huge. Mm. There are some weddings where they have a cash bar and the guests don't even come with money. And right. there they are. They go up to the bar and they're told, oh, cash bar well that is absolutely a wedding no-no as right. I say. and i would think that even if you're on a tight budget and you're right. considering a, a cash bar you're much better off than just serving some wine Definitely. or some beer or something Serve less wine expensive and beer, maybe a signature cocktail right a champagne a something champagne cocktail right. a, a, a bellini a martini um but don't expect your guests to pay for drinks i always equate it to the same thing as if you had a party 
a Christmas party, if you had uh, uh, some kind of a family celebration, and then you told all your guests, well, <laughs> I need cash. You can't, you can't drink that wine. I right. need Give me a couple of dollars for that. It's the same thing. You're being the host and the hostess of right. this wonderful celebratory affair. You don't ask your guests to pay for the food or the drink in and, any and it, way, shape, or form. And it does happen. And yet does, a, a lot yes. of people think that it's it's okay, but they would never think about saying, well, it'll be $2 for that slice of wedding cake. Exactly. Which is, which is kind of what you're saying. Right. I just think couples panic and they're trying to look for a way to cut costs and the liquor bill can be huge. Sure. So they're saying, okay, we'll have a cash bar. You cannot do that. It's right. just wrong. You're better off having no bar at all. Have no bar at all. Just have soft drinks, right. exactly. iced tea and lemonade, exactly. and then people won't, exactly. won't feel put off. But and there's another guest gripe that comes to mind is if you are having your uh, reception during the dinner hour, but you only plan on serving cocktails and hors d'oeuvres uh, or a dessert only, please inform your guests. Mm. They're going to come with an appetite. They right. will think they're coming for this wonderful, huge dinner and lots of food and not eat all day and then they'll get there and be starving um guests have said we went out for pizza afterwards we were so hungry so put on your put on your invitation uh Champagne and cocktails will be served, or cocktails and hors d'oeuvres. Right, or light refreshments, give them, or whatever. Give, give them, them an exactly, indication. Exactly, light refreshments. Give them an indication. Let them know ahead of time. Right, that's right. Yeah, that's that's great advice, and I, I think that's again a, a simple thing that, um, as someone who's been in the business for so long, for for us it's just commonplace. But right. it's these little things that we're able to pass along to our listeners that really would you know can make or break definitely a, a, oh sure because you want everyone you every bride and groom wants everyone to have a great time and you really don't want people to be uncomfortable in any way shape or form so and even with your elderly guests i always say just be careful when you have a a venue make sure there's elevator service so they don't have to climb stairs if there if it's far from the parking lot to where your your ceremony site is make sure you have some reserved spots for elderly guests up front right. Um, if you're having an outdoor wedding and it's going to be hot, make sure there's seating for them outside. Make sure you offer all your guests some water or lemonade or some little refreshing drink. It's these nice touches that mean the most to guests. It's the thoughtfulness right, that's right. really important. And, and, you know, you mentioned before about if you were having a party in your home, you know, when you're having a wedding, you really need to treat your guests as if you're having them in your home. Right. You know, when you invite someone in to your home, you're going right. to offer them a, a refreshment, right. something to, to drink. Or, you're going to want them it's to the feel same comfortable. Exact it's thing. the same thing. So you, you do need to think about those little things. And then one other guest gripe, um, single guests will complain about the seating, where they're seated. Mm. Uh, they they will complain that because I'm single, they put me at a singles table and I didn't know one person and I felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> so if you have single guests, ask them who they want to sit with. Mm. It may be that they want to sit with their coworkers or they want to sit with their college friends. Find out where they're most comfortable sitting but don't necessarily feel that you have to put them at the singles table because right. that doesn't always pan out very well for the poor singles. You put the single hat on them and, you know, the T-shirt that says, I'm <laughs> yes, single. I'm yes, single. yeah. You know, it, it does it does become something that's a little bit uh, a little bit touchy. Yeah. But that's, but that's yeah. good. Again, it comes down to communication. If there's any question in your mind, just ask. Right. That way you don't make exactly. the wrong, the wrong choice. If you're really choice. not sure where to sit someone, 
ask them where they would like to sit, who <laughs> right. they'd like to sit with. Right. And, you know, and a lot of this, you know, on, on bridalguide.com online, um, there's that the great piece that you do, the I'd do or I'd redo. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and, and hindsight really, is always twenty twenty. It is fantastic to, to go on, on our website. It's bridalguide.com slash redo. You will see all of these suggestions from brides who have gotten married, and they are telling you what they would have done differently. And it's really quite an eye-opener. It's really fascinating. I mean, one of the things I thought was so interesting was how many uh, said they wish they had paid more attention to the ceremony. Mm. Because you get very focused on the reception and the look of it, the feel of it, the food, the music. And you don't think that much about the ceremony, but... That really is what your wedding day is all about. Absolutely. And so many of them say, I really wish I had given it more thought. I wish that I had said, close the doors of the vestibule before I walk down because mm-hmm. I want it to be dramatic. I want it to be a surprise. I wish I had written my own vows. Mm. I had so much heartfelt sentiment that t- at that time that I wanted to say things and we didn't plan on it. I wish that I had videographed my ceremony. I only thought I could have that for the reception and it would be fine. But I miss seeing my parents walk down the aisle, my grandparents. I miss seeing my wedding party. And I miss seeing me and my dad walk down the aisle. Yeah, because the bride's the last one down and the first one out. So give it some thought. Don't forget your ceremony. That's very important. Yeah, that's that's really – and, you know – some really great advice comes from people who've done it, who've oh, been through it and the lived the day. best advice because there are things you wouldn't even think about. Uh, a number of brides said that they wish they had placed someone in charge of their bouquet. They wanted to take that bouquet home. They mm. probably wanted to preserve it. Well, it was gone. gone. It was missing. Um, a number of brides also spoke about their photographers. Photographers are pricey. Mm. That's going to be about 10% of your budget. But you don't want to skimp on a good photographer, and you want to make sure that you have a photographer who's experienced with weddings. Uh, So many brides have tried to cut corners. Mm. They hire someone who's really not that good. They've been unhappy with their photos. The photographer has been a nuisance at the wedding. They didn't get all of the photos that they wanted. So be very, very careful about who you hire, um, and make sure you give your photographer a photo checklist of what pictures you want taken, who you want in those pictures, and you might have somebody delegated who will help gather up all of those people at the reception at certain times so that you get everyone in the photos. Or you can put a little uh, note at certain people's, if you're college friends, you want all your fraternity brothers or sorority sisters, put a little note at their table saying, we're going to gather around 2.30 if it's a day wedding, or we'll gather around 8 o'clock in the lobby for a photo. So just stay a little organized, but stay on top of your photographer because you want to hire a good photographer. You want right. to hire someone who knows what he's doing. Yeah, experience. Or she's there's doing. there's no replacement for right. for experience. Right. The wedding day is emotional, crazy. Brides are, are frazzled. Are there any tips you could share and how a bride can stay calm, stay organized that day? Yeah, I think I think it's really important in the months leading up to the wedding that you first of all you stay organized. I think the 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 brides who are the happiest are the ones that 
uh, really followed a, a, what we call the countdown calendar, and mm-hmm. we have that in every single issue of Bridal Guide. And it really is, it's just a, a, it's a guide for what you need to be doing, what you should do early on, what you should do at this point, and that. And it's important to follow that, because if you do, you'll have peace of mind, and you won't feel so frazzled the last few weeks leading up to your wedding. I also think it's important um, not to neglect your fiancé. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, the two of you are planning together, but the bride really does the bulk of picking out you know, the colors or the flowers or the details. But get him involved and also swear on not talking about the wedding for one day of the week at least. Give your brain a break. Give, your, <laughs> give yourselves a break. Uh, pamper yourself when you can. So a lot of the brides also said they wish they had paid more, uh, given themselves a little more time with their hair and their makeup on the day of the wedding. Mm. Uh, do what you can to relax. Go away for a weekend if right. you can. Uh, spend time with your friends and don't talk about the wedding. You need to get yourself into that really calm state of mind uh, where you're comfortable that you are on top of things, you're staying organized, but you're also realizing that there's a life other than the wedding, exactly. and there's a life beyond the wedding. That's right. So when you're with your right. fiance, the wedding's not the talk end. about it's the your beginning. life together. Exactly. Talk about all of those important issues that you want to discuss as, as a husband and wife. Right. So, you know, the, it, there are things you need to do and, and not to get frazzled, and, and you have to just determine early on that you're going to give yourself a little pampering and TLC. Mm. Yeah, that's well. that's really so important. Um, just as we, we start to wrap up, any trends you see happening? Anything jumping out at you? Uh, well, in the world I, of I still see the the whole the trend of couples um, adding personal touches that's been going on for years. It's still going on in a big way, and it's just really so wonderful to see when we see these weddings that come uh, into bridal guide and the wedding albums that we feature in our magazine the the attention to the detail the personal touches uh it could be anything from monograms to putting his favorite flowers in the vases if he's from california and she got all his favorite flowers it's it's giving the groom a cake um in his favorite team's designed in his favorite team colors it's these fun whimsical heartfelt touching thoughtful gestures that mean everything and when we look at our uh, wedding album stories we always ask our bride and grooms the favorite moment and the favorite moment is not oh the meal came out exactly as i wanted and all of the flowers were in the the favorite moments are those emotional moments and those are going to be the ones you're going to remember when he first saw you I'm getting emotional talking about it because <laughs> they're really true. they're wonderful when you read how um, exciting it is and how heartfelt it is to right. these couples, and that's what you want to remember. That's right because it's such uh, a life changing event, and it really is something that I think most couples are just not prepared for. Yeah. Uh, at all, as much as anyone can describe it to you or tell you about it. Until you live the day and live the experience, yeah. and you, know, you just live the no emotion concept. of it. Exactly, seeing your parents dancing together, watching your grandparents dance, dancing with your father—those are the moments. Right, and that's what—that's what you take away, and that's what'll stick with you. Not what shade of pink the flowers exactly. were. Exactly. Um, so don't obsess over it. Just remember, 
no wedding is absolutely perfect. Right. It doesn't exist in the world of it weddings. It doesn't exist. Life isn't perfect. <laughs> so you have to let go. Don't sweat the small stuff, yeah. but embrace the important thing. Embrace all the love that's going to be around you. Yeah, that's really just such fabulous advice. Uh, if any of our listeners have uh, a question for Diane, uh, she would love to answer it for you. You can email us at feedback at the WPN.com. That's feedback at T-H-E-W-P-N.com. Or you can call our listener hotline, which is 800-882-1259. And we, of course, will have uh, links to uh, bridalguide.com where you can find out all of this great information. I encourage you to run out to your newsstands, your local Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your magazines. Uh, pick up this latest issue of Bridal Guide. Uh, one of the... Uh, the grand dames of the wedding world when it comes to magazines. I always, always uh, look up to longevity in this business to have been around uh, for 20 years speaks volumes uh, well, about we're, what we're you do. We're proud of it. We are. And, and it's our goal always to address the real issues that brides and grooms are facing. We give them the fantasy in the magazine. We show them the beautiful weddings and the gowns, but we always write an article about how they can save money, what they can do to keep on track. Um, and in our January, February 9, 2008, I keep going back to 1988, <laughs> um, 2008, we also do a terrific article on how you can cut costs. And we show you exactly how much money you can save in different areas, transportation, photography, just by doing, considering some simple changes. So yeah. it's, really, it's really wonderful to have that knowledge before you head out and start your planning. Yeah, knowledge is power. Um, and I, I encourage you to run out and get that magazine. We have been chatting with Diane Forden, who is Editor-in-Chief and Vice President of Bridal Guide Magazine. Diane, thank you so much for being oh, a part really of this show. Pleasure, Robert. Really fun. I loved it. And thank we uh, look forward to having you back again soon. This has been Meet the Masters, only available on Wedding Podcast Network. I'm Robert Allen, and we'll see you next time.